Thank you so much for tuning in to the Providence Community Podcast. We just, we pray today that God would do amazing things in your heart as you listen to this message. And uh, we ask for just the richest blessing on your family. And if you would like some more information about Providence Community Church, you can go to www.providencecommunity.org or you can also download our app in the App Store. We're so thankful that you tuned in and uh, we can't wait to celebrate all that God does in your life. Uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Um, this has been a passage I've never preached on. Uh, really um, great passage, good things to, to mine out of here. Um, as, you're, as you're turning there, I do want to say that we are wrapping up the Kingdom Family Series um, today. Uh, Pastor Keith and Pastor Marcel, the last two weeks, were speaking uh, great into this. And then I had stuff heavy on my heart, talking about the Father, uh, being fathers and mothers in a fatherless generation. Um, and... Uh, uh, just really excited about all that God is doing there. Excited about the love of the Father breaking out on the church again. That's just enjoying in Him and leaning back in His, in his arms, in His lap. And uh, excited about being a kingdom family. But this morning I want to talk about something uh, maybe a little more uh, weighty, a little heavier um, that's on my heart. Um, I just uh, believe that the church is actually supposed to uh, act like a family. And that's hard. Right? That does anybody else believe the church is supposed to act like a family? Yes, but how many people also know that that is, that is hard when you start talking like that? Because when we talk about family in America, in the American church, what we mean is someone's going to meet me at the door, hand me a muffin, make me feel good, and send our kids back into Hershey Park, right? Make everybody good and then send me notes of encouragement with sticks of gum on my birthday. Right? That's what we mean by family. We mean like the programmed side of it. Like see me, see me, see me, but don't ask too much of me. All right? Uh, you don't, that's, that's not family, man. If that's how my son acted at my house, dude, I, I'd send him to one of yours, all right? This is, th that's not how it works. Like when you're a part of a family, you begin to love each other in such a way that demands sacrifice and demands a bigger dream than you could on your own. And so as we're wrapping up Kingdom Family today, I, I, I want to I talk about what, what Kingdom, just a little bit, not everything, like if you're looking for like the, the vast theological thing of what Kingdom Family is, listen, here, here's a portion, portion. But here's the, the, the part of Kingdom Family that I want to focus on this morning is that the Kingdom Family is actually very, very messy, it's very, very hard, and that's very, very good. Okay? That a church should be a mess in some ways. A church, should, a, a, a church spiritually should be as messy as, the, as an ER is physically. Right? It gets way more quieter when you talk about this. The kingdom family is messy. And I think that my experience is that, that many of us, I know my, myself, because I too am a human, some of you think that I am an avenger. I know, I know, I, I, know I, I look so much like the captain of America, but uh, uh, not him. I'm actually a human being with feelings. Uh, but many people say uh, that they want church to be a family, but when it actually starts being a family, they get upset and run. Because when a church starts actually being a family, a church gets slightly strange and messy. 
It's how it is. Any parents here, any, any sons or daughters here ever experienced messiness in a family? Yeah. All right? Listen to this. Tuesday, I started getting really sick. But it was a huge meeting day for me, and so I pushed it all day. I started meetings about 9 in the morning, didn't get home until about 10.05 in the evening. All day long, all I could think about was going to bed. Have you ever had one of those days? You're trying to look Mike Corson in the face with love, but you're just imagining a pillow, man. You're just like, I'm sorry, right? Just all day long, you can't, you're, you're trying to hear from God, but you're, I, I, was getting, I was getting sick. I was getting, I was just exhausted. I needed to go to sleep, but I pushed it all day. So when I got home, I got home, my kids were already in bed, and I sat on the, on the couch, and, and I fell asleep right away. Um, but I was awakened to a sound that I can only describe like this. And if you're a parent, you know what this is. Uh, if not, you're going to be a little grossed. Uh, but it's, it's, it's called a, a gag cough. You know what I'm saying? All right, a gag cough. And I'm not going to try to make the sound because it would be it would, uh, it's just disgusting. All right? But I hear, I hear this gag cough like twice. I, I, it, it alerts me. I, I, I awake from my sleep. And I, you know, I stand at the, at the bottom of the stairs, hoping I don't hear another gag cough. <laughs> and then when I didn't, I just said, oh, I probably didn't hear it. I was dreaming it. It's probably Adrian. You know, I said, <laughs> oh, that's my wife. And then I, I, so I, I, I ignored that, and I went back to sleep. Four in the morning, Lena, our youngest, she, she uh, calls me, Daddy. I go into her room, and she's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Oh, I can't see her. I just hear the sound of her voice. It's like she's been up with Jesus for hours, all right? Um, and she goes, Daddy, there's something wet in my bed. I'm like, oh, I, you know, it's four in the morning, so I, I start feeling around. There's something wet in your bed. She's just feeling around. That, What's wet in your bed? Oh, there's, there is something wet in your bed. Well, what is this? I'm playing with it now, playing with it. All the wetness in the bed. Like, what is this? Why is it? Well, you know, here's the thing. I'm sick, and I can't smell. <laughs> <laughs> I can't smell the lovely uh, wetness that I'm playing with. Well, I, I get the lights on. I realize that that gag cough was actually a gag cough, and she vomited and slept in it for four hours. Uh, it's, it's, I'm sorry. This is church, I know, but this family's messy, all right? This is what I'm saying. This is shock therapy. So what I do is that suddenly I'm trying to figure out how to clean up all of this stuff when I'm sick and out of my mind. There's no way I'm going to uh, awaken the, the queen, all right? There's no way, all right? She's not a queen at four in the morning, all right? I'll tell you that. Well, she is, uh, spiritually speaking, but she's not here. So uh, anyway, um, see ya. So I'm just dealing with this on my own. I'm like, I'm now gag coughing. I'm like, what? Uh, all of this stuff. I, I'm rigging things up so Lena can go back to sleep. I'm doing all of this stuff. And it is, it is a mess. And I'll spare the rest of the details because it gets crazier. But guys, listen, that's, that's called what being a parent is. That's called what family is. J just because it's messy doesn't mean I would ever in a million years even think about trading in my kids. Except in a joking way. I'm just always like, man, I give my life for my kids. Listen, I hope this is what I speak over my family, but I don't care how messy it gets with you, you're stuck with me. I'm just all for you no matter what. I don't care what kind of a mess you bring home. I don't care what kind of a mess you're operating or sleeping in right now. Daddy's going to be on the scene with all of me, all the imperfect parts and all the, all the good parts. That's family. Family's messy. Family's not an insta-feed. Family's not j just the, the vacation moments. 
families, all, all the is imperfect people coming together and trying to do life together under the same banner of Jesus and saying, God, here we are. All of our messes, all of our past, all of our shameful places, all of our hurtful places, all of our bitterness, but all of the gifts that you've given to us, God, and all the, all the dreams that you've given us, all the visions that you've given us, because all of it together, God, if you can use this, please do. Here's this kingdom family. And do you know what happens, though, is that messiness in the kingdom family is actually amplified as the family grows, okay? As the family grows. You guys still tracking with me? I didn't lose you with the gag cough, did I? Huh? All right? Or the plan? Did I lose you, right? Okay? So, so as the family grows, my wife and I were talking to the kids. Hey, what would you think about, like, if we adopted another baby sometime? All right? Man, the church can change the world. Do you know how many kids need adopted and need families? You know, you know how many orphans need homes? So we're talking about this with our kids. When we, when we did that, I think Ethan shouts out, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I think Lena starts weeping. All right? And, and Grace, who's she's our middle child, uh, she starts looking at uh, pictures of cute babies on her iPod. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, this one, this one, this one. All right? Uh, lots of different reactions. But some of us, when, when, when the family starts growing, we know, I like how it is now. I like the seat that I sit in on a Sunday. Like, God forbid somebody takes that parking spot that you've grown used to. And the church is, the, the church is, uh, one of the worst things about the church is it's tried to insulate the church how individually we like it. Instead of being willing to change as we grow. So messiness is amplified as the family grows. And this is, this is really a, a messy passage of scripture here in Acts chapter 6. And it's actually verse 1, just the first half of it shows us some of the mess that the early church was having to deal with. It says this. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, just stop right there. In these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the increasing in number means that there's more people with past and more people with problems and more people with needs. It's just, and it's just growing. It's just growing. I think sometimes we look at, we think about the early church and we just imagine that everything was just perfect. It's like discipleship was like just uncorked and everything was just wild and the apostles and all of this stuff. It was just awesome. But I'm just telling you it was a mess. It was, a mess. it was powerful, but it was, it was powerful and messy all at the same time. It's the beautiful thing of the church. And this is what, this is what family does is, is many families grow and increase in number. And that impacts the children in different ways. And that impacts other people in different ways. But it's what the church does when it's healthy. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and then verse 47 uh, says this. They added that day about 3,000 souls. Well, that day was the day of Pentecost. There was about 120 people in the church, and that's nice. They can all meet in the upper room. They can all meet in the house. They can all feel warm. Somebody plays the guitar. They, everybody gets a chance for communion. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and you know what happens? As, as Holy Spirit comes and descends upon the church and gets in us, we turn into missionaries, and the church in one day grows from 120 to over 3,000. And I'm just letting you know it. It wasn't just, okay, everybody pile back into the room. They're suddenly having facility questions and challenges. They gotta figure out how do we do this? We're, we're, we're new at this. They're increasing in number. And then you just read a few more verses, like at verse 47. The Lord added to their number, not just that one day, but day by day. So they're over 3,000 day one. And then day by day, they're more and more and more. What do we do with this? Their leadership is, team is 12 dudes. What do we do with this? 
Acts chapter 5, 14 says that the believers were added to the Lord multitudes. Multitudes. So this, by this natural outflow of family, often what, it, it, it is this, it's often what makes family no longer feel like the family we like. But I would venture to say this is a good problem. When, when people are dead and coming to life, and you don't even know how to disciple them, but they're not dead, the church should get stoked. When suddenly the, the expenses are through the roof out of the world, but you've got to raise them because of all the people getting saved and hungry and wanting to grow. The church should be excited. Oh, I like church when it was small and we didn't have a building project. I like church when, and we all have this past thing, but God wants to give us new dreams, fresh vision for a future where multitudes, a, a, a last day's harvest would come and we would get fired up about that. And it, hello, anybody. Do you, do you remember Christmas before you had kids? I used to get up in the morning, make some hot chocolate, some coffee. Agent and I would sleep in. We'd give each other presents. Now we got three kids, and it's just like you have to have, you have to study World War II, uh, tact, tactical maneuvering to, to figure out how to handle the, you know, the, the, the attack, the assault. All right? And you're figuring, you don't get any presents. It's just kids like, hey, major, this is made of sticks. Why well, I see that. Yeah. And, and they're climbing all over. There's crying. And you didn't make me an omelet. And all of this stuff is going on, but I would never trade it. It's just messy. It's just messy. It's, it's because the family's growing. Guys, and what spiritual fathers and mothers do when the family grows is they get stoked and they dream new dreams. And they say, how do we disciple these people? How do we love on these people? How do we help them encounter the Father's heart? We, we don't wish for a different day, a different era. Now, I, I, I'm fired up about this. I just, I don't know. So, so. Now in these days, Acts chapter 6, when the disciples were increasing in number, a, a complaint by the Hellenist arose. Now I love this, that there is a complaint in the early church. Oh, yes, Jesus, he is just like, oh, oh man, it's made more normal, you know, like, oh, so uh, it's a complaint. Not that I've ever heard one, all right. Here at Providence, where it's so, so more revivalistic than that. Uh, but a complaint by the Hellenists arose. Now, the Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. All right? They didn't speak Aramaic like most of the church. They were, they were actually, uh, uh, they were kind of, they, I, I think that they felt like they were on the fringes of society. Like, you're taking care of your people. I thought we were your people now. I thought we were a part of the church. But you're not. Here's what's happening. A complaint arose against the Hebrews that their, their, their widows, the Hellenists, all of a sudden they're encamping, encamping in, their, in their spoken word dialect. Hey, we Greek speakers over here, that's us, that's our people. We're, we're a little angry that you and your people, hey, whoa, whoa, do you see what's happening already in Acts chapter 6? It's us against them. We're already locking up in sides here. We're already shouting out complaints here. I know, it, it is horrible. I know, we should cry about that. The Hellenists arose, uh, this complaint, 
by the Hellenists arose that the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So obviously what is happening here is this is not, the early church is not just a bunch of people uh, gathering, having coffee in houses, the apostles kind of making their, their way around just from house to house. These people were like lights out, starting stuff that's, that's feeding multitudes. They're doing this already. I don't know how, but they are. Without smartphones, without electricity, they're figuring this out, but it's a broken system. And sometimes we have to operate in broken systems and dream of new days. But here's a broken system that somebody's being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So here's what happens is the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and says, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Woo. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. I, I've, I've got to say this. When we're looking for leaders in the church, men and women, when we're looking for leaders in the church, we're not looking, were they a former CEO or COO or an executive somewhere? The primary thing we're looking for is, how full of God are they? This is, this is, you, you shouldn't be able to swap out from the church to, to, to secular society leaders. Because the main thing that should be happening and def the defining mark of the church is God in the person, God in the leader, full and coming out. So this is what you look for first and foremost in a leader. If you're, not, if you're not full of faith like Stephen, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, man, let's keep working on that. Your day's just not here yet, right? And then it goes through the list of there's Stephen and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon. And what happens in there in verse 6 is that these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them and... The word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Now, I hope you can see the, the mess. I hope you can see all of this stuff, but I hope that you can see that the church is not a business as much as it is a family. Okay? Now, this is what God's calling us to. It's not about programming so well that people feel welcomed and feel like family. It's actually being a family. It's actually being a family. It's actually fathers and mothers raised up that are actually shepherding people and being a family in church. It's about knowing that I'm a daughter, knowing that I'm a son, knowing that I belong. I don't have to be convinced with a postcard. It's crazy and messy as family is. Guys, I, I think you're hearing this, that family, the church being a family is so incredibly important. Do you know that the, the Christian life is not just about you and Jesus? That's what we've made it in America, in this individualistic society. We made it, there's Jesus and there's you, and that's really all that matters. And you can watch whoever you want to watch on your, your podcast and just stay at home and not talk to anybody else all the time just till Jesus returns. If you want, we can go to church and just kind of Whatever. But do you know that Christian life is not just about you and Jesus? There's the gospel of the kingdom is about a kingdom, not just you. And this is about us. This is about you, you matter as an individual, but you matter more than that. You, you matter as, as a son or daughter in a kingdom that is bigger than you, larger than you, 
When, when, you, when you pull away from family, when you pull away from community, you're keeping something from us, and there's things that God wants to do in you that he, he won't if you're not in the family. Do you hear that? One of the enemy tactics is, is to get you so upset with the church and its, it's, its brokenness and its messiness that you begin to isolate yourselves. And isolation quickly turns into pride where you think, hey, I can do better by myself. And maybe you can, but that's not the design, friend. Some things God does not do in you unless you are in a family. And there's going to be a void if you're not a part of the kingdom. So despite the messiness and despite all this stuff, there's some things that only happen in community. And I just, with my last few moments, I want to talk about that. Am I being too, am I coming on too strong this morning? Anything? Is your hair, I feel like maybe like people are scared, like babies are crying. Like this is, I'm, I'm so sorry. And just trying to, just trying to be, um, the uh, Ashland painted this lion over here. And at the bottom, right? Right? Just unleash artist God. Unleash artist God. Like, you should, you should meet Ashlyn because I think God, God speaks to hearts. Like, it's like, you know how Marcel was talking about, like, heavenly downloads? Like, a lot of what our artists are painting are, like, heavenly downloads. Not like, oh, that's cool. That's, like, cutting edge. That's, like, like emergent or something. That's not why we're doing it. All right? We actually believe an artist in the kingdom can paint the heart of God for the community. All right? That's why we're doing it. And, uh, but at the bottom of it says boldness. And I, I just, man, we need a new taste for boldness. It can't chase us off anymore. It needs to fire us up. All right? So I want to talk about a few things that can only happen in, in kingdom family. And here's one thing. It's, it's releasing and receiving authority. Hear this? One of the things that can only happen in a kingdom family is the releasing of authority and the receiving of authority. And some of you, th this would be so fresh for you because some of you are here and you're like, Providence doesn't see me and they're not getting behind my giftedness and they're not getting behind, they're not making me a leader and all of this stuff. And so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, and, and you're getting your own battle tactics. But part of the family is, is if, if you are feeling like that and you begin to pull out and you and Charles Stanley start doing stuff on a Sunday morning, all right? All right? Um, then you're gonna miss out. Because there's, there's, something, there, there, there's something about the, the body where the, the, the body of Christ is actually designed to release authority to people, and then leaders are designed to, to release it, and then people are designed to receive it. And I get that in what I just read. The, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Really, all they're saying is, is we need to operate in our lane. We're not the answer to every problem here. The apostles knew that. We're not the answer to every single problem, okay? If, so, if the, in the distribution of food, someone's being overlooked, that's not our lane. What we're going to do is we're, we're going to release the church to look for people full of the Spirit, and we, wanna, we, want to, uh, we want to not just give them the responsibility, but give them the subsequent authority that that responsibility demands. And this is what happens often in the church because in my experience, the, the, the most painful part of, uh, of church is not the, the, the broken system, not the broken people, not the messes, but the most painful part of church for me is, is the broken leaders who get their identity by how much they control. And so you get leaders that, that know, that, that are too insecure to release, to release, to release. 
And they get all of it, no, this is, my, this is what I'm paid to do. This is, this is my job here, and I, I've got to do everything. Okay, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. And they're stressed, and they're going crazy. But leaders, can, can I just tell you that one of, the, one of the huge anointings on your ministry has to be releasing what you do to others. And we talk about delegation, like, like so you just get things off your plate, so you can cross things off of your to-do list, but there's a part of delegation, a biblical part of delegation, that is not figuring out how you can be the most productive by delegating to other people, but finding out how people can begin to find out their callings and their destinies by giving them the responsibility and the authority that comes along with it. This is a part of leadership in the church that is gigantic. Biblical authority is not domineering, and, is not domineering control. It's releasing your authority so others can rise. Releasing your authority so others can rise. I want to see you rise up. We've got a vision for, for seven people. Give us seven people just full of God, hungry for God. People that, that spend time like Mary at the feet of God. And, and let's release them with, a, with an assignment and with a subsequent authority in that assignment. And a real leader must be able to release this responsibility and authority that goes along with it. And here's my experience is that this takes time. This takes time. You don't walk into Providence, walk up to me someday. I don't know you from Adam. And you say, hey, here's what I do. And I'm excited you're going to get behind it right now, right here and now. Yeah, here's a contract for you to sign. I was like, who are you? So you just have to come and start serving. Start small. If you can't start small with Providence, we're not going to trust you with big. I think that's a biblical uh, thing. No, no, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an elder guy. I'm on the elder board here. That's what I do. But, well, we just need someone to do lights. Oh, no, that's not what I, well, then, then you've got other problems. We just need you to be, just be. You have to learn if you can't be led, if you can't be under authority, you're going to be a really bad authority. And you're going to hurt people in positions that were just too soon for you. And the leaders have to have the courage and the boldness to make these calls. And not everyone's going to get it. And it's going to look weird. But you can't walk into a family and say, I'm a spiritual parent if you're not. And so there has to be the season of you, you invited into somebody's life. Let me invest in you. I'm gonna, so you raised up. We're just going to do life together. And this is something that God's been teaching me lately. It's been really good. Uh, so you, uh, it's interesting. Who do you re release authority to? You release authority to people of good repute. There's the timepiece. People you've watched their life and they're, they're tried and true. Not perfect but they operate in grace, not religion. They don't, they don't, uh, uh, they're not just lovers of the law. <laughs> they operate according to the law of love. These are people that, uh, people of good repute, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, they're wise, they operate in this, and you begin to see people like this over time, and you begin to just like, you begin to dream with them. Now, but here's, so releasing and receiving authority is something in the church we, 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 uh, we buck at any type of authority kind of structures and things like that. It's unbiblical, but I'm just saying, no, 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 no. No, it is biblical. It's right here. I think the problem is we got so much pain that I don't want to be under, uh, I don't want to be under someone's thumb anymore. I don't want to be under someone's control anymore. And so leaders have to just get good at seeing other people get better. We have to change the culture and the environment. And this only happens, this doesn't happen in your living room by yourself. This happens in the context of us. But here's another thing, is that confirmation of calling happens in community. I, there's this old movie that I watched when I was a kid, it was called The Apostle. 
It always cracks me up. I've got this picture in my head of this guy who's actually in a river baptizing himself, an apostle. I baptize myself in the in the name of the baptizing himself. And unfortunately, this is what so many of our lives look like. We don't know if, we don't know if we're actually gifted. We just want to be important. And so we actually confirm our own callings and branch out in our own endeavors, but we've never had the, the blessing of the family. The family of God is supposed to see gifts and greatness in people and make a big deal of that and help them grow in that and give them, help them walk in that and confirm callings. Verse 7, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So this is, this is the, the laying of hands on by the apostles was saying, we see in you what, you're, what the rest of the family uh, saw in you and sees in you. And so now we release you to go do this and all the authority that you need. This is this confirmation. Oh, okay, okay. It's interesting, when you talk about laying on of hands, sometimes you, in the church you lay hands on people for healing. Uh, sometimes in the church it's to receive the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes in the church it's, it's just, uh, you just lay hands on someone for, for care. I'm here. I'm here. But sometimes you lay hands on someone for commissioning. And this is what we do with our, our missionaries when we bring them up here. We're not just trying to be nice. We, we love to be kind. We're commissioning you to go into the nations. Put our hands, we gather around. Commission you to go to the nations. We pray your transportation is guarded. We pray that your words are powerful to change nations. It's commissioning. The church doesn't know about that. If you're not in the church's program kind of thing, you don't, we don't know anything about this. We gotta get better at this. This is not just a staff thing. This is a, this is a family thing. This, a, a commissioning can happen. This is why Paul says to Timothy, who's pastoring the church in Ephesus, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands because you don't want to commission a person too soon. You don't want to, you don't want to give authority to a person who's not ready. Don't be hasty in doing this. this is, it takes time. Releasing authority to the wrong people is one of the, is one of the most dangerous things to the church. But the apostles laid hands on these men, and they commissioned them, and they released authority. I, I've been seeing this uh, in action as, as I started this thing under the radar. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not promoting it. You're not going to see signs for this. But I'm, and it's not even a great name. It's called the Communicator's Community. All right? And it's this, just, I'm just welcoming other communicators into the church, into my life. We get on the same page. We talk about what communication is at, at Providence. We, we help uh, talk about different giftings and styles. Uh, and, and, and we just, we, we, we preach and we speak to each other and we, we use our gifts on each other. Then as a community, we speak in. And sometimes we say, you know what? This is the wrong stream for you. You'd be much better here. And sometimes that's what the church has to do. But other times we say, I don't think you know how great you are. It's amazing how many people think that they're horrible speakers. I can never speak. I can never speak. I can never speak. Then when they get up and speak, they're fantastic like Julie Hinnon. All right? And it's, it's because the enemy is so afraid of you being you. The enemy, the enemy has been trying to, to blind your eyes to what God is doing in you, what God has on you for, for all of your life. And one of the wonderful things that the church can do is, is actually confirm callings and speak through the lies of the enemy. Say, no, 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 no. No, you are a speaker. Open your mouth. No, no, no. No, that is a good place for you. 
but also just has the boldness to say, let's find your spot. Let's find your spot. Where should you serve? And at my house, I have uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, hanging uh, over uh, up high on the wall in our office. Um, and it just speaks over the, the family, I hope. <laughs> it says this, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with, with uh, one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And it goes on and on. And I love this. The reason we printed this out, I actually gave this as a gift to my wife on a, our anniversary, is because this is the kingdom family that I want us to operate in at home, and I want it to spread from our home to here. It's from our home to here. I, I just see, see uh, it's a beautiful picture of a kingdom family. When you, when you, when you see a, a, ch a church as family, do you see this? Let's see verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Do you see this? Do you know what that is? That's sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. It means you belong. It means you're part of the family. And it, what is so important for us to operate in the family is that we begin to operate in our new identity. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's your new identity, sons and daughters. The, Pastor Keith, this morning when we were praying uh, out uh, in the hallway, he said, he said, the cross didn't get us, uh, like, didn't do a jailbreak. It wasn't a jailbreak. We're like, run for the hills before the devil comes. They're going to find us out. What the cross did is completely set us free and cancel everything. Give us a whole new identity. Holy, beloved. Holy and beloved. The holiness, the righteousness of the Son, Jesus Christ, imputed to our spiritual account. And now we are the loved ones of the Father. And here's, here's that, that's got to be, oh, you've got to operate in that, that identity for the church to be a family. You've got to be growing into that for the church to operate that way. Forgiving freely, forgiving each other. The church has to do this. Have you ever, is there somebody in your life that they, they annoy you relentlessly? Everything they do, the way they breathe, the way they open a car door, the way they, they eat their cereal, the way they, everything they do, it just annoys you, it annoys you. I would recommend that um, it's because there's some unforgiveness in your heart towards that person. Nothing they do works in your life. But love would come along and say, I love you despite you. When you're in love with somebody, like Coach told me this morning, when you're in love with somebody, like when you're dating, like everything that person does is gold. You see past the way they breathe and the way they eat and the way they chew and, and the, how they dress. You're just in love. That's how the family of God is supposed to be. Not plucking out everybody's annoyances, but dousing them with heaven's love. You love generously. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together. So here's the last thing I'm, I'm going to say, is I want to suggest this morning that some of your issues that you bring to the table, some of your messes that you bring to the table, they actually don't need professional help. They need family. You hear this? Some of, we, we spend fortunes on professional help. Got to get professional help. Gotta get, but the, the problem is, is that you, you're, you're burning out because you've never plugged into community. How many of your marriages are, are like, like really bad? 
and nobody knows. How many of us are in mountains of debt, but you keep that a secret because you're afraid of shame? The family's supposed to jump in and say, oh man, how do we help? Miracles are supposed to come out of the community when you let people in. Isn't that what family does? I, I think so many of us have families that are just, just one of the core values in our family was secrecy. You can't let anybody know. You paint on a smile. You can't let anybody know your, your stuff because that's coming out of woundedness. Here in the family, it's just where love reigns. You bring your marriages and you bring your sicknesses and you bring your debts and you bring all your stuff and you actually begin to share that stuff with the family. And this is, this is some, and then the, a good community says, you know what, you need professional help. But you start in the, in the family. Like some of you, you, you're so lonely that you're willing to pay a professional uh, j- just to listen to you talk. You have no friends. And this is where the church comes in. We need, to, we need to find people and be listening ears. We need to love generously. Do you know that, that, that James said, uh, confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed? Well, we, we keep all of this stuff secret, and as it's a secret, it destroys our hearts in the darkness. And as we come out with it, and family and community, healing be, can begin. But part of your problem is the, the, the secrecy and the pride and the, the oh, I can't, and the, the fear and the self-protection. And the family, the kingdom family calls us, let us know that, and we better be ready just to extend grace. I had a muscle tumor when I was a 12-year-old boy right here. And I didn't tell anybody for a year because I was so afraid. And when I finally mustered up the courage to tell my dad, and we got that thing popped out of there by a surgeon, the surgeon said, if that was cancer, you wouldn't be here, son. So it's, it's our secrets. It's our secrets. We're wearing these things around. We're wearing these things around, and they're eating you from the inside out. And it's harder and harder to paste a smile when you're hiding something that's destroying your life. This morning, guys, um, this morning, here's what, remember my, my story about uh, the old ladies with blue hair and, uh, you know, no hair and, uh, you know, white hair and a pink hair, all the, all the different color of hairs? Um, they were just praying every day. I was at that worship service. They are just praying over people. I really feel this morning that some of you, you need to come forward and be prayed for, but some of you just need to raise your hand right where you're sitting, and we're supposed to be family to each other this morning and pray over the people right around us and take a bold step of, of family and community this morning. This isn't come and go. This isn't head for the door. This isn't get to the welcome lunch. This isn't, listen, our stuff can wait if family is happening this morning, Right? Right? So as I pray, I just, wanna, just want you just to respond to the Lord. I want you to say, God, is, is, is now the time? Now the time I just begin to be honest and vulnerable with what I'm going through? Is, is, this, is, is, is this the moment? And just let, the, just let the, the Spirit minister to you. And God, what I do know is for many of us in this room, now is the time for us to rise up, not to positions of prominence, but to rise up in feats of courage. Feats of boldness, bold steps to people, not away from people, that we would go to them, that we would begin to love on people, God, that we would begin to be the hands and feet. God, I really believe that just revival in the church is going to happen in the seats, not on the stage. Just as we just begin to be the church instead of being entertained by a band. God, God, do this. Will you do this in us? God, will you do this in us? Will you put a worshiper's hearts in us again, God? We begin to long to, to be the church to other people. 
I just pray, God, just thanks for the leaders at Providence that are modeling this from the stage and from behind it and in the, in the secret places. God, thank you for the leaders. And I just pray for just, just more of an outpouring of your spirit into the hearts and lives of people in this day. And I just pray, God, that when, when the world looks at us, and most importantly, when you look at us, Jesus, that you'll see, you'll see a family. God, I just pray that right now that, that, uh, that lies that I, I can't go public with this would just be broken and that courage will be dispensed to the church this morning to be able to rise up and say, I need help, I need help, I need help. We bless you, God. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.